I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Joe Biden has a long history of taking money from big donors and doing them favors as, as a senator. Welcome to Deconstructed. I'm Mehdi Hassan. On the show today, does Joe Biden, long-standing friend of Wall Street, one-time surrogate for the credit card industry, and a favorite of big donors in this Democratic presidential campaign, does he have a corruption problem? And if so, is Biden a symptom of a broader corrupt culture in Washington, D.C., dominated as it is by big money and big business? We absolutely need to change the way campaigns are funded. We need to make it so that when somebody is running for Congress, the first question that is asked is not, how many of the richest people in the world do you know and can you call them all up? That's my guest today, the academic, activist and corruption expert, Zephyr Teachout, who caused controversy last week when she wrote a piece slamming Joe Biden as a weak candidate to take on Donald Trump because of his own big corruption problem. So, is she right? Let's be clear. Donald Trump is the most corrupt president in modern American history. He was impeached and is now on trial for abuse of power and for obstruction of Congress. But as you've heard me say on this show for the past year, he should have been impeached for much, much more. More than 110 officials from nearly 60 foreign governments have been spotted at Trump hotels, golf courses and other properties since 2017. This is about as direct and profound a violation of the Emoluments Clause as one could create. Jared Kushner's appointment as a senior advisor to the president is also drawing controversy. Ivanka, Jared and the nepotism crisis that is blossoming in Trump's White House. Trump backing down from a controversial decision that next year's G7 summit of world leaders would take place at Trump's property in Doral, Florida. It would have been great. Ethics advocates warn foreign leaders could be booking stays at Trump properties to curry favor with the president, something which violates the Constitution. It's the casual corruption of the Trump administration. This week, thanks to the New York Times, we learned that he not only grants perks and favours to his friends, family members and donors, but also, according to John Bolton's forthcoming book, to the leaders of China and Turkey too. So, when confronted with the brazen and shameless corruption of Trump and his inner circle of grifters, conmen and sycophants, a lot of Democrats have concluded that getting rid of Trump is all that matters. It doesn't matter who he's replaced with, only that he's replaced. Most Democrats still say electability is the most important quality. The Biden argument has been electability. I can beat Donald Trump. Biden knows that his name of the game is electability. And why do people who like Biden like him? Because they think he can beat Trump. So you get this situation where former Vice President Joe Biden has been the frontrunner in the race for the Democratic presidential nomination for the past year, even though he has an awful, awful record, including on the issue of corruption and of family members making money off of his name. To be clear, no one's saying Biden's broken any laws, nor is anyone saying Biden is as corrupt as Trump. Of course not. That would be ridiculous. No one could be as corrupt as Trump, even if they tried. But the well, he's not as bad as Trump, bar, 
is a pretty low bar, I would argue, especially for Democrats who claim to occupy the moral high ground. Take Hunter Biden. The Republicans are wrong to say that Joe Biden, as vice president, tried to have the Ukrainian chief prosecutor fired to prevent him investigating his son's role at the Ukrainian natural gas company Burisma in 2015 and 2016. There's zero evidence for that. None. The Republicans and Trump are lying. But it is fair to ask the question, what on earth was Hunter Biden doing getting paid 50k a month to sit on Burisma's board of directors? He had no knowledge of Ukraine, no experience in the energy industry. He was there because of his last name, because his father was the vice president of the United States, and it was totally inappropriate. Let's just be clear about that. The fact is that Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's brothers James and Frank have a long history of cashing in on the family name. Frank is on record telling people his name was, quote, a tremendous asset when it came to getting business deals done with the federal government. And as my Intercept colleague Ryan Grimm reported back in October, citing an investigation by Politico magazine, among others, Biden's late son, Beau, who tragically died of cancer in 2015, Beau was roped into an investment meeting in 2006, led by his uncle James and his brother Hunter, at which James allegedly told executives they'd have no problem bringing in people looking for access to Joe Biden, who was a US senator at the time. Quote, We've got people all around the world who want to invest in Joe Biden, James Biden said afterwards. And Bo reportedly turned red in the face and told his uncle, this can never leave this room. And if you ever say it again, I will have nothing to do with this. For me, the story that stands out even more than this, and that's had so little coverage, involves Bo's brother Hunter, but it has nothing to do with Ukraine and everything to do with Delaware. That's the state Joe Biden represented in the Senate from 1973 to 2009, a state that's long been home to the credit card industry. Back in the late 1990s, the credit card industry and the financial services industry more broadly started lobbying for new rules to make it harder for people to declare bankruptcy. MBNA, the credit card giant headquartered in Delaware, was at the forefront of those lobbying efforts and completely coincidentally had the support of Joe Biden for what became known as the bankruptcy bill. MBNA was Biden's single biggest donor, with executives and employees of MBNA giving $200,000 to Biden's campaigns between 1989 and 2010, according to the Center for Responsive Politics. Biden even became known as the senator from MBNA. Yeah, the senator from MBNA. And to top it all off, as Jacobin magazine pointed out, quote, MBNA hired Biden's son Hunter as a lobbyist straight out of law school and later hired him as a consultant from 2001 to 2005, the same years Biden was helping to pass the bill. The same years. By the way, back then, Biden was called out to his face for his support for that bankruptcy bill and his undermining of the middle-class voters he'd always claimed to champion by a certain law professor from Harvard University, a certain Elizabeth Warren. Your problem with the credit card companies is usury rates from your position. It's not about the bankruptcy bill. But, Senator, if you're not going to fix that problem, you can't take away the last shred of protection for I these got families. It. Okay. Uh, you're very good, Professor. <laughs> Most Democratic senators at the time, including Barack Obama, voted against that odious bill. But not Biden. Not the senator from MBNA. And the bill passed in 2005. The New York Times called it, quote, a big victory for President Bush, who supported the measure 
and a sharp setback for civil rights organizations and consumer groups. They say the new law will be a huge giveaway to special interests at the expense of many middle and lower income families. Thanks, Joe. Thanks a lot. To me, it's astonishing and frustrating that Biden supported the bankruptcy bill at a time when his son was working for the credit card industry and when he was getting massive donations from the credit card industry. It's frustrating that that story hasn't had much attention, neither from his Democratic rivals nor from the debate moderators on TV. He's been given a pass on this from too many people in politics and the media who don't take special interests or big money or corruption seriously enough. Despite poll after poll showing a majority of Americans consider corruption to be a major, if not the major problem with American politics. So my question today is, how corrupt is Joe Biden? And how corrupt is the US political establishment? My guest today is Zephyr Teachout, attorney and associate professor of law at Fordham University. She ran for the Democratic nomination for New York State Attorney General in 2018, and she is a campaign surrogate for Bernie Sanders. She's author of the book Corruption in America, From Benjamin Franklin's Snuffbox to Citizens United, and she's also the author of a recent and much-discussed Guardian op-ed headlined, Middle-class Joe Biden has a corruption problem. It makes him a weak candidate. An op-ed that caused so much outrage in some Democratic Party circles and offended the Biden campaign so much that Bernie Sanders actually came out and apologised for it and disowned it. Zephyr Teachout, thanks for joining me on Deconstructed. Oh, I'm really thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Zephyr, before we get to Joe Biden, I want to ask you, you're one of this country's top experts on corruption. You've written books about this stuff. Two big, important questions I wanted you to answer for me, for our listeners, to set the scene for this discussion. Number one, how corrupt is the US political system compared to, say, other Western democracies? And number two, how corrupt is Donald Trump compared to US presidents who have come before him? Well, well, I will answer your question, but I actually do want to step back because corrupt and corruption is one of these words that we use regularly, but it's actually a word that means really different things to different people. Good point. For a couple hundred years, everybody accepted that corruption was the use of public power, uh, whether power gained through elections or appointment for private selfish ends. Yes. And the Supreme Court, not just in Citizens United, but in a whole series of cases uh, since 1976, has basically shifted to a really different definition of corruption, which is where it's basically when you're breaking criminal bribery statutes. Okay. So to answer your second question, Donald Trump is the most corrupt president we've had in American history under any definition. Wow. And his sort of grotesque use of the power that, you know, it's a really sacred power that he's been given by the public for really personal selfish ends is is it's pretty obvious. And, uh, you know, we may get into this some more, but one of the things that I think we don't talk about enough is the way in which he violates a, some key provisions of the U.S. Constitution, taking foreign money and also uh, governmental money from U.S. government through his businesses for his own private enrichment. The, emol the emoluments clause, which supposedly forbids that. I exactly. And Trump has been violating that since the beginning of his presidency and arguably has really shaped foreign policy in really, um, in, in really dangerous ways. 
to go to go to your first question about the U.S. Uh, political system as a comparative matter, I, I'll be honest. I focused more. I'm a I'm a, a true Americanist, um, and less of a comparativist. And what I what I can say is that really in the last 30 or 40 years, the problems of systemic corruption have gotten a lot worse. I place a lot of the shift in the 90s um, when we moved from an era where. People would fundraise, they raised money from big donors, but it was a couple weeks a year. And now we've moved to something that is so sort of gross, where yes. the main job of many Congress members is actually sitting with a, a sheaf of papers with the wealthiest people in world history, their names, their hobbies, where they went to school, and calling them up one by one and asking them to contribute. It turns our elected officers into sycophants, yeah. you know, beggars. And you, you ran for office in 2018 yeah. for the mm -hmm. New York Attorney General. That's right. How much of that, was in, how much of that campaign uh, involved you having to ask people for money? So I was lucky, and honestly, in part because of uh, Bernie Sanders' support of a prior campaign, but I recognize my luck because I was able to primarily rely on small dollar donations and my average contribution was in the around uh, 18 or 19 dollars. Having said that, I did also get a window into the high dollar fundraising um, and uh, make some phone calls. And you can see how it would affect people. I found the whole process really disturbing, but mm. we have to recognize that's the that's the way our system so, is built right now. Let's talk Joe Biden, former vice president. You wrote what some people thought was a very controversial Guardian article last week in which you said Joe Biden has, quote, a big corruption problem. What is it, Zephyr? What specifically were you referring to? Well, Joe Biden has a long history of taking money from big donors and in particular from people in the credit card field in the financial industry, and I'll talk about that a little bit more, and doing them favors as a senator. There's that example. There's a few others that I talked about. Um, he has over 200 bundlers, which he released. These are people who are raising at least $25,000 for his current campaign. Uh, there's a lot of people from the financial sector among those bundlers and also um, a lot of people in real estate. And so that raises a question, a sort of common sense question about, is that influencing his policies? Um, he's one of the, I think, the only remaining candidate who doesn't have a comprehensive housing policy. The day he announced he had a major uh, fundraiser with Comcast executive, he has, uh, since we have a little time, I think it's actually worth going back on Biden's history. Just before we do, and just to be clear and fair, because you mentioned definitions at the start, yes. mm -hmm. when you say he has a corruption problem, you're not saying he's broken any laws, are you? No, no, no. And um, what, I, what I was really talking about was there is this real problem for when we're going up against the most corrupt president in American history to have as a potential candidate somebody who has that close connection with big donors and with the, the transactional politics that so many Americans are so sick of. When we have an option to have a candidate um, like Bernie Sanders, who, just to be clear, I've, uh, I've endorsed, who really represents the opposite of that, whose entire campaign and whose entire history has been based on low-dollar contributions. So actually, the heart of the piece was about my real fear that we are handing 
Trump campaign, uh, what about is in playbook? And, yeah. and this is what corrupt regimes always do. If they if you say, hey, you are stealing from the American people, he'll, he's going to turn around and say, yeah, but look at the the, yeah. uh, the I mean, speech, Trump is the, the master speech. of projection, yeah. shameless projection. Exactly. Yeah. And you said in your piece that nominating a candidate like Biden will make it far more difficult to defeat Trump. And I agree with you. I think that Trump, I think Democrats are mad if they think that, you know, Biden's long record won't be thrown at him just because they're choosing not to talk about it in this race. Why do you think it is there for the, the that the bankruptcy bill, for example, yeah. that Biden played a huge role in passing through the Senate, got passed into law under George W. Bush. Why did it get so little coverage today, not just from the media, but even from Bernie Sanders, from Elizabeth Warren, who both opposed it at the time? They both know Biden has an awful record on this, but they haven't really hammered him for it on the debate stage, for example. Last time they were too busy hammering each other. Yeah, I, I think the bankruptcy bill needs a lot more attention. By the way, as uh, cynical and dishonest and unfair as it will be, uh, it will come up in uh, a general election if yep. Biden if, if Biden is the nominee. And if you doubt me, uh, go back to the late 90s when a Republican was calling Joe Biden uh, the senator from MBNA, a major yes. credit card company. And Trump did this in 2016. He attacked Hillary from the left many times. Yeah. So just to go back to basics, Joe Biden took hundreds of thousands of dollars from. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. MBNA, this major credit card company, became very close to the CEO. Uh, I, I believe he gave a speech at their corporate conference one year in the late 90s and pushed a bankruptcy bill, really splitting with Democrats, pushing a bankruptcy bill that makes it much harder for people to really get a clean slate. To go into the weeds for just a second, there's two, basically two kinds of bankruptcy. One, it's called Chapter 7. Let's say you get into a terrible debt because of a healthcare emergency, which happens all the time. Um, Hundreds of thousands of people go bankrupt because of not being able to pay medical bills. So Chapter 7 allows people to sell off what assets they can to pay creditors and discharge the rest of their debts quickly. Then there's another bankruptcy system called Chapter 13, which puts the debtor on a long-term payment plan, so they're forever carrying the weight of those debts. And Biden was pushing to make Chapter 7 harder, making student debt basically impossible to discharge. So it's really hard to understand Biden's persistent efforts on this bill 
outside of the context of his closeness to the credit card industry. It, and, it, and, and, it, and, and people, people around him don't even deny it. I mean, he has former aides who have told reporters, you know, that was what he had to do. He was a senator from Delaware. He had a better record as vice president because he didn't have to worry about Delaware. I mean, they were pretty open about it. But, but what his constituents need and the people who've been hurt by this 2005 bankruptcy bill. Yes. By the way, this bill goes through right before the financial crisis. So mm. um, the, the sort of human impact of this bill has been enormous. And I am surprised and angry <laughs> that this has not yeah me too that this has not been a, a more central part of the campaign this is not a throwaway line by joe biden where he said something no, this was years and years right. he pushed for this over several years and and one of the the moments that really made me me the most angry i guess is um there was a new york times interview of joe biden for their endorsement process which i recommend uh, everybody read i think it's a truly disastrous and embarrassing interview. But there's a moment in it where one of the people on the editorial board says, a couple of times you've had trouble answering positions you held decades ago, which I think it's ridiculous that that's an issue. Um, but those questions aren't going to go away. So it was it was somebody on the and there were other really good questions on the ed board. So I, I, yeah. it's not universal. But there was a, a way in which the press was like covering for him for mm. his own past that just didn't make any sense and bankruptcy didn't come up in the interview it it wasn't there so and it's also like okay if you okay i even i, I would even kind of get the whole well the 1970s busing right. that was 90 but 2005 is very well, recent it was the bush administration barack obama was in the senate voting against that bill and joe biden was pushing it and now champions his record with the middle class and with working class voters well, even though they were the ones most hurt by it well, well well i completely agree with you on the second part and i think what is what is the most troubling to many of us about even the much longer ago history is a unwillingness to directly confront it take responsibility and explain why he has changed his mind. And why and, won't why yeah. won't Sanders and Warren speak up more about this and his record? Why are they all so nice to each other? Well, well, I do think that at this moment, people are um, there's a there's a couple of worlds. <laughs> there's a world of people who are deeply involved in politics and political news. And there's another world of um, people who just feel really shut out, don't feel like they have a voice, may not be following the news that closely. And especially right now, I, um, I really understand why it's important to get across, like, how exciting it would be to have a president who is pushing to expand Social Security, um, like really getting back to some some basics about what Sanders is, the, the vision that Sanders has, what the Green New Deal would mean in terms of good union jobs, yeah. what Medicare for all would mean. So I, I, I'm not I'm less interested in second guessing campaigns. Yeah. The Intercept has done a great job on Biden and bankruptcy. I will say that I think reporters on bankruptcy, <laughs> yeah. that that we should see a lot more of that in the mainstream news it's, because it's, you I do mean, not you... talk about a much more pocketbook issue. It, has, yes. it absolutely affects uh, millions of people's lives, and it is central to who and Biden has been as a senator. This is not this. There's there's agreed. There's there's this is like at the heart of who he is, and, and, and actually and, a... and actually just to go back to my meta story at the beginning about yes. the 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 nineties and the shift. I, I can't say when because. Interestingly, and, and you guys have actually 
done some good reporting on this. Interestingly, Biden was actually really good on money and politics in the 70s. When he was a new senator, he said this was the top priority. And in the 80s, yeah. he would be really pushing for it. And, and I, I can't point to a precise moment, but starting in the late 90s, he starts to get really cozy with uh, financial services. So let me ask you this. Uh, you mentioned, you know, people people get hurt by the bankruptcy laws. There's also the issue, as, as the American public is concerned about corruption. All the polls yes, show that yes, voters yes. across the board, whether you're a Republican, Democrat, neither, you think corruption in D.C. and corruption at a federal state level is a big issue. All yeah. of the polls show that. Yep. So when you have a candidate going up against the most corrupt president and they've got, even if not, you know, the perception of corruption. That's important. With Hillary Clinton, you know, there was a whole issue about Clinton Foundation. Most people didn't actually dig into the Clinton Foundation. But there was a perception of pay to play or whatever phrases you want to use. With Biden, it's not just his record in with the bankruptcy bill and with the credit card industry and with Wall Street, his closeness to Wall Street and yes. telling billionaires that their, you know, their lives aren't going to change much under a Biden presidency. But also, there's the Biden family. And when the Ukraine story broke and Democrats rightly rushed to Joe Biden's defense, pointing out yeah. that he hadn't done anything wrong in terms of the prosecutor, he wasn't protecting his son from an investigation, there wasn't an investigation, all of those nonsensical Trump lines that they're still pushing in the Senate right now, GOP talking points. When that happened, I did think to myself, in the short term at least, this is good for Biden because now that Trump has launched this totally illegitimate attack on the Bidens, on Hunter especially, Biden's Democratic rivals aren't going to dare raise any of the legitimate critiques of the Biden family, including, for example, Hunter's ridiculous $50,000 a month Burisma salary for a job he totally wasn't qualified for. Yeah, I mean, I, and I just want to be clear that the attacks are just wildly illegitimate. And the defense, I haven't actually got a chance to watch all of it, but the little that I saw of the impeachment defense was really nihilistic, yeah. um, both in that it's, it jumps all over the place. It suggests Trump did nothing wrong, but if he did, then that's also not wrong. And but, the, but the problem is we, we seem unable, Zephyr, to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. We can say... We can say that Trump's attacks on Hunter Biden are completely illegitimate and false, yeah. but we can also say Hunter Biden's record of making money out of his dad's name was not good. Well, well, I think this goes to one thing that you see with corrupt regimes is that they will try to destroy the word corruption and make it sort of just take it out of the lexicon because they abuse it so terribly. We cannot let Trump define the terms of the debate and instead have to you know, look hard at all the candidates on their own terms. And what you see with Biden is he may check the boxes on his website in terms of, you know, overturn Citizens United and 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 public financing, both of which are, are really important. But he has not communicated in any way, like communicated with his heart, the depths of the, of the problems of the current system. And just a small thing, I did note that he was taking big, you know, speaking fees after he left the vice presidency. If you're going to run for president, don't take big speaking fees. Yeah, I think Hillary Clinton, I think Hillary Clinton could give you some free advice on that subject um, now. I mean, Biden, of course, said last summer at a fundraiser famously, 
to a group of very rich people, no one's standard of living needs to change if he's elected. Uh, they're, 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 to, yeah, they're, their lives aren't going to change. And yeah. I, nothing I, would fundamentally change, I believe, is his phrase, Nothing would fundamentally is a real, change. Real campaign slogan for 2020. <laughs> yeah. Vote for me. Nothing will fundamentally change. And that kind of way of, of talking to donors just shuts out people who really desperately need change. And they know that they may not win every fight, but they want somebody who is going to be there fighting on their side. And we know what we need to do. We need to not only overturn Citizens United, and especially speaking to your global audience, you'll hear a lot of candidates say they want to overturn Citizens United, which, by the way, of course I want to do. I was cited extensively in the dissent, in Stephen's dissent in Citizens United. It's a, it's something we must do. But sometimes that can be a way of not taking responsibility for the things that we can do right now. Okay. Because Overturn Citizens United requires either a change in the court or an amendment. And yeah. there's a lot we can do right now. I, and, I, and I want to come back to, I do want to ask you that before we finish. But before we get there, yeah. when you when we both agree that Biden has a corruption problem in terms of what Trump is going to use against him in terms yes. of his history with the bankruptcy bill and Wall Street, um, how did you feel then when Bernie Sanders apologized to Joe Biden after your piece appeared and said, quote, it is absolutely not my view that Joe is corrupt in any way, and I'm sorry that op-ed appeared. Look, I, th- I think what's important is that Sanders and I agree deeply and very fundamentally, and I've, I've, I've known him for a long time, um, in, on the need for a transformational change in the way that we fund elections, in the way that poor and uh, working class people's voices are heard, in the way that... Uh, billionaires have way too much power, and in the way yeah. that too many elites have have just accepted uh, have just accepted uh, the, the the status quo. So I, I think the the key point is that I am a as I mentioned earlier, I've endorsed Sanders. I'm a full supporter of of. Uh, not just Sanders' policy views, but his vision. So were vision you surprised, of, is what I'm asking, that he apologized in that way when clearly there is a case against Joe that he himself has made on the debate stage occasionally? You know, the, the real key thing that people care about is, like, where we're going. And um, and our, our, our points of agreement are pretty great. So okay. uh, You're not going to answer that question. I get it. I'll say for you that I was very sad to see him apologize. There was no need to apologize. Your op-ed was excellent and reasonable. Just to be clear, the Sanders campaign had no idea you were going to write that. I'm an academic and writing on my own. Yeah, I wish I wish Bernie Sanders had written that, to be honest. Um, it, not only did I wish he'd written it, I'm amazed that he apologized for it. Just on Sanders, why Sanders over Warren? Especially when your big issue is fighting corruption and Elizabeth Warren says her main issue is fighting corruption and has been for a long time, not just during this presidential campaign, but back when she was a private citizen and a law professor. For a lot of progressives listening at home who are still torn between the two, why do you go Bernie Sanders over Elizabeth Warren on fighting corruption? You know, I um, I really love Elizabeth Warren and I, I deeply respect her. And I, I wrote a Nation piece about why I have chosen to support Bernie Sanders I've known Bernie Sanders for a long time. I've watched him in politics for a long time. But maybe this is one way to describe why I'm so excited about this campaign is I think in some ways this campaign started in 2016. Sanders laid out an alternate vision, not just of policy, but of how politics could work. Yes. And at first he was sort of standing alone on on the <laughs> a lawn in Washington with a crumpled piece of paper saying, we can actually do the whole system differently. 
but I can't do it on my own. And I see the 2020 campaign as an extension of that 2016 beginning. And he has built extraordinary depth of trust across class, across race. And we're going to need that in what will be a brutal general election where truth is out the window. And the four or five-year campaign that he has built really matters. That's a good point. And we're also going to need it when he's president because uh, we all know that we need public financing of elections. We need to know we need to move away from private corporate funding of elections. It's so grotesque. And so the question is, how do you get there? And I believe you get there by mobilizing engaged people who are ready to go Go talk to their lawmaker and say, this is a real priority. So I, I, I really believe that this, it's a, it's a rare creation of a movement, and it's a deeply moral movement so, that has really, really touched so many people. And I, I, when I imagine a Bernie Sanders presidency, it's the, you bringing the not me, us into the White House saying... And, and we, we, so we let me jump in there before yeah. we finish with one yeah. last question right yeah. there. You bring Not Me As into the White House. You have Bernie there. You have his yeah. people organizing, mobilizing. Bernie Sanders calls you up and says, Zephyr, I'm, I'm in the Oval Office. <laughs> I've got my mandate. I've got people outside ready to mobilize and campaign. What is the one policy I need to go with as a priority to turn around the corrupt culture in Washington, D.C., to fight back against political corruption? We, we absolutely need to change the way campaigns are funded. We need to do it. We need to we need to make it so that when somebody is running for Congress, the first question that is asked is not how many of the richest people in the world do you know and can you call them all up, but uh, what do you care about and what skills, what passion do you bring? Uh, who are you going to fight for? And right now, it's it's been upside down for too long, and and we can change that. We've uh, public financing systems in. New York City and in Seattle, the Seattle system fought back an effort by Amazon to really buy the elections. There's a lot of pieces to a program, but to me, the heart of it is public financing of elections. Zephyr Teachout, thanks for joining me on Deconstructed. Wonderful to talk to you. That was Zephyr Teachout, attorney, academic, activist, Bernie Sanders supporter. A quick announcement before we go. If you're in L.A. on Monday, February 10th, we're recording a special live episode of Deconstructed on the massive issue of criminal justice reform and mass incarceration in front of a live audience and with special, oh, very special guests, John Legend, yes, that John Legend, and Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Cullors. Go to the Intercept website or to my Twitter feed for details on how to buy tickets. And that's our show. Deconstructed is a production of First Look Media and The Intercept. Our producer is Zach Young. The show was mixed by Brian Pugh. Our theme music was composed by Bart Warshaw. Betsy Reed is The Intercept's editor-in-chief. And I'm Mehdi Hassan. You can follow me on Twitter at Mehdi R. Hassan. If you haven't already, please do subscribe to the show so you can hear it every week. Go to theintercept.com forward slash deconstructed to subscribe from your podcast platform of choice, iPhone, Android, whatever. If you're subscribed already, please do leave us a rating or review. It helps new people find the show. And if you want to give us feedback, email us at podcasts at theintercept.com. Thanks so much. See you next week. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.